Hello, and welcome to this FRDH podcast. I'm Michael Goldfarb. Although it has been announced frequently in the last month or so, the battle to reclaim Mosul from ISIS does finally seem to have drawn to an end. Iraqi Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi has flown to the ruined city to announce the defeat of the group. You may have missed the earlier announcements. Once upon a not-too-distant time, the slow, steady, violent strangulation of ISIS would have led the news every day. I miss those times. Since the throat slitters swept into Mosul and declared their caliphate in 2014, the Anglo-American world has convulsed. Cynics and the desperate voted in Britain for Brexit and in America for Donald Trump. There's hardly any attention span left in the brain of the body politic after a daily dose of the Brexit-Trump news. Anyway, ISIS is defeated in Mosul, but that won't mean victory in Iraq's second city, any more than the overthrow of Saddam Hussein meant victory there, or the killing of his sons in Mosul a few months later, or the frequent attempts by the U.S. to buy off the network's funding insurgents of various stripes that are headquartered in Mosul. America's misadventure in Iraq has shown that defeating your enemy on the battlefield is not the same as victory. I have a very personal definition of what victory in Iraq would look like. It's the day I can have a fish lunch in Mosul by the banks of the Tigris. In 2003, I was promised that lunch by my translator and friend, Ahmad Shokat. A native of the city and political dissident, Ahmed had been arrested and tortured by Saddam's regime a number of times. He fled to Erbil, the Kurdish regional capital, 50 miles down the road, and we met there the night before the war started. As the clinical destruction of Saddam's regime took place in the southern part of the country and the liberation of his city drew closer, Ahmed became giddy. As we drove around Kurdistan reporting on the very little bits of war in the north of the country, he would tell me about his hometown, how beautiful it was, how I had seen its beauty already because the opening sequence of the film The Exorcist had been filmed there. Mosul was called the Pearl of the North, he told me. It was the envy of all Iraq, and he would make a daily promise. When Mosul is liberated, I will buy you a fish lunch on the banks of the Tigris. He assured me Tigris fish, especially from near Mosul, where there was a special kind of trout, was the best in the world, certainly better than Tigris fish in Baghdad. Lunch in the sunshine, as the river flowed by, would be the perfect liberation meal. The day of liberation itself did not allow for that lunch. There was looting at every site associated with the government. Downtown at the Iraqi National Bank, we stumbled into a Wild West shootout. The regime had simply dissolved. The U.S. Army had yet to arrive. There was no authority in a city of one and a half million people. It was inevitable that a group of men would try to take as much money from the bank as they could carry. Kurdish Peshmerga, who had driven in from Erbil and Kurdish villages on the plains north and east of Mosul, were trying to stop them. They poured AK-47 fire into the bank, and from within, AK-47 fire came flying back. After I recorded the gunfight, we headed to safety on the east bank of the river. As we raced over the bridge, I could see the restaurants along the promenade tables floating away. The walkway was flooded. 
Saddam's troops had left sluice gates open at the Mosul Dam, just upstream of the city, and the river was rising fast. You will come back in the autumn, when things have settled down, Ahmed said, and then we will have the fish lunch. But things didn't settle down, and in the autumn, Ahmed was murdered. The following year, I was back in the city to write a book about him. The fish restaurants may have reopened, but on the day I went downtown to the site of the bank, I got caught up in jihadi violence. Get back! Down! Get down! Stay down! Stay down. After that event, I really wasn't hungry for lunch. In 2008, I returned to Kurdistan to make a program about the northern part of Iraq five years after the overthrow of Saddam and to present the book I had written to Ahmed's family. I thought we might all go to Mosul, where some of his children and grandchildren still lived, and have that fish lunch in his memory. That won't be possible, a British colleague told me over dinner in Erbil. He had just traveled from Baghdad to Mosul, embedded with the American military, and interviewed the mayor about the security situation. The mayor arranged for him to travel on to Erbil, and he spent the first part of the journey in the trunk of the vehicle for his own safety. Only after passing into Kurdish territory was he allowed out. A few months later, the financial crash came in the West. A new era was entered. Iraq slid off the front pages. People laughed at the memory of George W. Bush landing on the aircraft carrier Lincoln to declare a victory that never was, but they more or less accepted the American military's vaunted surge was a success, so victory of a sort had been achieved, and then the world forgot Iraq. In 2014, ISIS seized Mosul. It didn't take a lot of fighters to do so. Mosul has never been pacified. The city is home to Ba'athists, who have had a come-to-Allah moment in their defeat, and they helped Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and his crew. Fifteen months later, I was back in Erbil, with Ahmed's son, now a journalist, and we went out to the front near Bashika, fifteen miles from the city. I could see the dust and pollution rising over Mosul and the Tigris, so close to my fish lunch. And recently, I went to Beirut to attend an American University medical school conference on conflict medicine. The happiest person there was a doctor from Mosul. He tried to work under the ISIS regime after they arrived, but it only took a few weeks to realize that practicing medicine would not be possible under them. He fled to Erbil. Now he was with Iraqi forces, treating civilians on the slow, steady campaign to reclaim his city. He told me that ISIS was surrounded in Mosul's old city. Their defeat was inevitable. That's why he was smiling. I've been to Mosul, I told him. Won't be easy to clear them away. The streets are so narrow and twisted and cars really can't get through. I told him the story of how Ahmed bled to death in the back seat of a cab, which took an hour to travel the few kilometers to a hospital because of the traffic. He nodded. Yes, it will take a while. That conversation was in mid-May. 
I told him about Ahmed's fish lunch promise made to me in 2003, the doctor explained. Between ISIS sabotage and American airstrikes, most of the Tigris River bridges connecting the two halves of the city have been wrecked. The collateral damage includes the restaurants. The ruins of the city don't inspire hope that the conditions of security and stability necessary to build a better society are present yet. My liberation, victory, memorial, fish lunch will be a long time coming, I fear. And that's all for this edition of FRDH Podcast. You can hear more, lots more, by visiting the website www.goldfarbpod.com and you can order a copy of my book, Ahmed's War, Ahmed's Peace, while you're there. And of course, you can make a donation to keep these podcasts coming.